Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, during this season of Advent, we desire to prepare the way of our Lord to come. As John the Baptist said, He baptized with water, but the Lord who is coming after Him will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, O Lord, that You would fill us with the same Holy Spirit. That we would be able to hear Your Word fruitfully. That it would dwell deep within us. And that You would guide us to understand it to be changed by it, to be transformed more and more into the image of Your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, prepare to meet your Maker? It's a funny phrase, isn't it? What does it bring to mind for you? For me, and I'm guessing many of us here, you're probably thinking of some movie where someone's been captured, the main character maybe, and the bad guys have him surrounded and one of them is interrogating him and he's about to kill him. And so he tells him just before he kills him, prepare to meet your maker. And so there's that sense that that character is about to die, that you are about to die. So get ready to meet the one who made you. Make your preparations, because the time is short. Prepare to meet your Maker. That description that I just gave you is about the only context I can think of where I've heard that phrase used. And yet, I think it's perfectly appropriate for this season of Advent. Because that's what Advent is, after all, a preparation to meet our Maker. For Is that not who the Lord is? He is our Maker. And we're being called to prepare ourselves for that very Lord to come to us. We are always looking toward the coming of Christ during this season. For Christ is our Maker because He is God who has come in the flesh down here to earth to redeem and make all things new. And so this season is literally about preparing to meet our Maker. And the texts that we've heard today are all about that preparation. I love that these texts end up paired with this particular prayer that we heard this morning, our collect of the day. Because of how the Gospel of Mark is so interwoven into that text from Isaiah, but also interwoven with another important text from the prophet Malachi. And so we are challenged today to hear these words, to hear this Scripture that has been written down because the Lord caused it to be. And we want to read it and mark it and learn and inwardly digest it so that we can do, as this prayer says, to patiently, to be patient and comfort in the Word, to find that patience and comfort so that we can embrace Christ, that we can embrace this blessed hope of everlasting life. And that is what our texts are calling for us to do today. They are revealing to us our need to prepare for this Lord who is coming. This Lord who is no ordinary Lord. This Lord who is no ordinary man. This one who is God come down to earth. 
Our text remind us of that reality, speaking to different aspects of how we prepare for the Lord's coming. And we should slow down and reflect upon that reality more and more. And we should ask, how does that change what we do? When we reflect on the coming of Christ, how do it, does it change who we are? How does it change our approach to God? Do we come in humility because this one who has come is coming and will come? Do we come to Him in humility? Or do we approach Him in assumption, in presumption for His grace? Do we realize that what He has brought to us already is something that we can continually receive because He has come to us? With all of that in mind, let's hear these opening words to the Gospel of St. Mark. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. St. Mark cuts straight to the chase. He tells us exactly what he is up to. His book is... Right here, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These words right here at the beginning are the beginning of this gospel. And what does he immediately do? As he says the beginning of the gospel, he immediately says, as it's written in Isaiah, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ as it has been written. And so he immediately turns to the Old Testament. But what's so special about this moment in him turning to the Old Testament And he says, this is what's recorded in Isaiah the prophet. But then he doesn't quote Isaiah. He quotes a totally different prophet. He actually quotes from Malachi 3. Some people say, well, this just proves that Mark has no clue what he's doing. He doesn't really know Scripture. He's saying he's quoting Isaiah, and look at him quoting from Malachi. But the reality is he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows precisely what he is up to. Because he sees the interconnection between this passage from Malachi and this passage from Isaiah. And so he weaves them together for us. Because Malachi, if you read the book of Malachi alongside the book of Isaiah, you see that Malachi is borrowing a huge amount from Isaiah. That he is carrying Isaiah forward. That he has Isaiah in mind as he is writing his letter. As he is writing his words down. And so Mark picks up on that and he weaves together Isaiah and Malachi because they're talking about the same thing in this moment. Malachi in chapter 3, verse 1, says, Behold, I send my messenger before me. And then he goes on to say, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure that day? Of his coming. And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Did you hear a little difference there in that first part of Malachi? Behold, I send my messenger before me. The Lord is speaking here, and he says he is sending a messenger before he himself will arrive. St. Mark says, Behold, he says it's written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. 
It's amazing what Mark does right here. Isaiah, or Malachi is telling us of Yahweh saying that He will send His messenger before He Himself comes. And that suddenly the Lord will appear. That makes sense. There will be a messenger, and then the Lord appears. This messenger goes before the Lord. But there's more happening in that passage. Malachi goes on to speak of a second messenger, one who is to appear, who is called the messenger of the covenant that the people delight in. Some might read this as the same messenger, but as I said, it's a second one because the first messenger is one who comes before the Lord. And then the Lord appears, and also this second messenger whom the people delight in. There's something unique and special about this second messenger because he is being paralleled with the Lord. The Lord will suddenly appear, and the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in will appear. There's a sense in which these two characters are one and the same Lord. Being described in two different ways, the Lord will suddenly come that you are seeking, and His messenger will come, who refines, who is like a refining fire even in fuller soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. All this is packed into those first few verses of Malachi 3. As he describes one messenger who comes before the Lord, and then he describes another messenger of the covenant who refines those who come to the Lord. That the Lord suddenly appears as well as his messenger of the covenant and that they are united together in this parallelism. That the Lord and this second messenger are are God himself appearing before the people. I want to point all of this out so that we can grasp what Mark has done. As he speaks of this first messenger coming, there is a second messenger whom that first messenger precedes. That second messenger is connected to Yahweh in a unique way. He comes in the same way that Yahweh comes. He brings forth the covenant to the people because He is Yahweh. So Yahweh has said, I will send someone before me. And so the Lord sends someone to prepare the people for His actual coming. And that's where Malachi connects over to Isaiah 40. This messenger who comes before Yahweh is the one who cries out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. But Mark is being very careful. Who is this one who is being prepared for? As he directs our attention almost immediately to that messenger who comes before Yahweh, I want us to think about how he very subtly interprets this word from Malachi. Malachi said, the Lord said, I send my messenger before my face, before myself. Mark says, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. St. Mark is immediately pointing us to the reality that there is someone who is coming after this messenger, who is connected to Yahweh, and he told us who it was in the very first verse. This entire writing is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah. These passages are talking about Yahweh coming. Malachi says, I will send my messenger before myself. That is what Yahweh says through Malachi. And here Mark says, before your face. In one passage is talking about Yahweh. And in this passage, Mark directs our eyes to realize that this passage is about Jesus. It's 
unique and amazing what Mark does right here. That he takes a passage that is explicitly, explicitly about Yahweh, the God of the covenant, the one who rules over Israel, who redeemed Israel from Egypt. And he puts Jesus there. Yahweh says, I will send my messenger before your face, speaking to Jesus. Mark puts Jesus in the very place of Yahweh. It's amazing, isn't it? Mark is immediately elevating Jesus to the same status as Yahweh, the God of Israel. Because he takes a prophecy about Yahweh's coming and says, this is about Jesus coming to earth. This is about Jesus coming in the flesh. And so many people, so many scholars will act like and speak of Mark having this low Christology, this low view of Christ's divinity that some of them even going so far as to say that Mark didn't really believe that Jesus was actually God. They'll say, yes, he thought he was the Messiah, but he didn't believe the Messiah was God in the flesh. He was just some apocalyptic prophet to Mark. Because he never comes out and explicitly says it, and yet here... Very subtly and very blatantly before our eyes, he takes a passage and a prophecy about Yahweh and makes it about Jesus. He is literally saying in these first few verses, Jesus is Yahweh, and He is the one who is coming to earth. He is the one whom the messenger is preparing you to meet. All of that packed into just these few words. With such a subtle change that we see that Mark absolutely believed that Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh. But there is more. Who is this messenger? Mark is going to reveal that to us. This messenger that Yahweh has sent to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare the way of Jesus. This messenger is one who is a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. One of the things I noticed in my reflections on these passages is I read them side by side looking at Isaiah 40 verse 3. There's a slight difference in translation between the Old Testament, between the Hebrew and the Greek here that Mark uses. In the Hebrew there, in Mark, that in the wilderness is connected to prepare the way of the Lord. Isaiah says the one crying out is saying to the people, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. But here Mark translates it a little differently. He says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. It's a slight difference, but it gets to the same place. I only point this out because some might say, oh, here's a contradiction, but it's not really. It's simply an interpretation of what the Hebrew and the Greek is saying. In one case, the appearance is this messenger is amongst the people saying, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, so let us go to the wilderness. Here, Mark is saying and interpreting it as the voice is already in the wilderness crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so it's ultimately the same thing. And Isaiah at the Messenger is amongst the people saying, in the wilderness prepare the way. He's basically saying, let us go out to the wilderness and prepare the way together. In Mark, that messenger is calling the people to say, come out to the wilderness to prepare the way because that's where I am. I am the voice in the wilderness and I'm saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And so he's calling the people out to himself. 
It all gets us to that same place that we must be in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. That we must be out in that wilderness place to make His path straight. And what is the wilderness, you may ask? Why go out to the wilderness? Why be called to the wilderness in these deserted places? Well, that takes us back to the Exodus. Because that's what Yahweh did. When He led His people out of Egypt, He led them from that place of seeming prosperity, of seeming ease, though they were slaves. He led them away from all that they knew into the desert, into the wilderness. Egypt, to them in many ways, as you remember as you read through that whole Exodus account, while they wandered in the wilderness, they constantly said, can't we go back to Egypt? We should go back to Egypt. We're going to die out here. They began to see Egypt in a positive way. It was the place of slavery. It was the place of injustice. It was a place of being beaten down and harmed and and abused by the Egyptians. But they kept looking back and longing for that slavery once more. But Yahweh called them into the desert to remake them. He called them into the desert to die a type of death. He led them into that desert in order to prepare them to enter that promised land, to strip away everything that they knew, to make them become a people who will depend upon the Lord, to make them into a people that would seek after Him, to make them into a people that would only have Him as their sustainer. There in the desert they came to Mount Sinai where they received the covenant. They were formalized into the people of God in a new way. They were the people of God by way of Abraham and there at Mount Sinai, God reformalized them through the Mosaic Covenant. This had to happen in the desert. The people had to be removed from that land of Egypt. They had to be removed from what they knew so that they could learn the new way of life that Yahweh intended for them. They couldn't stay there in Egypt with His temptations and a seeming way of life that was Nothing more than slavery. They thought there was life there. But it was mere slavery at the end. And so Yahweh led them to a place of barrenness so that they could know something new. He led them to a place of forsakenness so that they could know that they were never forsaken. He led them to a place of death so that they could know life. He led them there to teach them a new way of living, how to become a new kind of human. And the wilderness was the only place that they could go to learn that. They had to go there. And so Yahweh led them there. The Exodus removed them from what they knew and took them into a place that they knew nothing about. And likewise, this new messenger is calling the people out into the wilderness, into that deserted place, into that place of death, into that place of seeming forsakenness in order to prepare for a new kind of Exodus. The people are called away from what they know. They are actually being called from what they think is the final promised land. The messenger calls them to the outskirts and to the deserts of the promised land, to the very edges, as though they are going back and away from what all God had promised them. But it was in order to teach them something new, in order to bring them new life, in order to bring them to a new place of understanding who the Lord was and His Messiah that was coming. And Mark immediately tells us 
that this messenger who has come before Jesus is John the Baptist. There in that wilderness place we find John calling out, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He calls the people away from the life they know back to the wilderness to go to the Jordan River and to be baptized for repentance. Be baptized into repentance. To receive this baptism of repentance, this baptism of turning from what they know, turning from their sinfulness, turning from their brokenness, turning from their waywardness and idolatry, and returning to the Lord their God. Returning to the path that He has declared for them. The people leaving a place of prosperity that has become slavery and going to a place of nothingness to die so that they can know the Lord's life, that they can know the new life that the Lord will give to them. That is what John's baptism is doing, calling them out of the old and into the new so that they can be changed, so that they can be renewed. The Jordan River was that middle ground That's where the people had to cross from the wilderness into the promised land. And here John calls them back to that place of crossing. Into that wilderness that they might cross anew into a new promised land. Into new promises, into the promised Messiah Himself. And how do we know that He is the one to come? How do we know that He is the messenger? Well, Mark describes Him for us in in verse 6. John was clothed with camel's hair. And he wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. The beauty of that is, is a description of, Isaiah, of Elijah the prophet. Who went around proclaiming the law of God. Proclaiming that the people should turn from idolatry. Proclaiming and standing against the wicked kings of Israel. And that is how he dressed. When one of the kings was confronted with his servants and they said, we saw a prophet. And he sent us back to you. And the king asked, well, what, did, what was he wearing? And they told him he was wearing camel's hair. And he had a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locust. He said, oh, it's Elijah the Tishbite. Like he knew immediately from that description which prophet they had encountered. And this is important for us to know that this is the messenger that was promised in Malachi. Promised in Isaiah because in chapter 4, Malachi says, the Lord declares that He will send Elijah before He comes. And so here an Elijah-like figure shows up, fulfilling that prophecy of the Elijah to come, fulfilling that prophecy of the messenger who comes before Yahweh and ultimately before Jesus. And He comes and He calls the people to repentance. He calls them into the literal wilderness that they might then go into the figurative wilderness of their own hearts. That broken place, that place that is death itself. That place that is full of nothing but death. For Jesus will later say, what comes out of the heart of man is all kinds of sin and adulteries and death itself flows out of the heart of man on its own. And so that's where we have to go. We have to see that in our own hearts there is nothing but death, just as there is nothing but death in the wilderness. And in that we are driven to repentance Just as these people who went into the literal wilderness were driven to repentance as they saw the reality of their hearts and their need for a Lord, their need for a Savior, their need for mercy, their need for righteousness. And there, that one who is in the wilderness says that there's someone coming who is mightier than he himself. 
that he can't even step down and unstrap his sandal because he is so great, this one who is to come. John is utterly and completely unworthy to even take off the sandals of this one who is mightier than him. And he is so mighty that while John is baptizing with water, this mighty one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He will pour the Holy Spirit upon his people. He will bring renewal out of death. He will bring life out of death. He will bring love and comfort and steadfastness out of forsakenness. This Holy Spirit who comes will unite us to God the Father and to this Messiah who is God Himself in the flesh. John calls his people into the wilderness. And in his words today, knowing that he came before the face of the Messiah, he came before the face of the Savior. He came before the face of Jesus who is God in the flesh. And he cries out, prepare the way of the Lord. The preparation is through repentance in the wilderness. The preparation is going to the place of forsakenness in order to discover that there is Yahweh Himself in the flesh for you. And He will not forsake you. He will receive you as His own, but you must go out and prepare and see the brokenness of your hearts. For His Word is directing you. His Word is teaching you. His Word full of the Holy Spirit is convicting you to turn from that which you think is good and right and to turn toward Jesus. To turn away from what you know in the old way of life and to receive a new way of life. To receive new life in a place of death. To go to that place of death and receive new life. We are called out to die through repentance. We are called out to abandon what we once knew. We are called to forsake what we know and enter into a place of utter forsakenness. And there we, through grace, through loving kindness, discover unforsakenness. We discover one who commits himself to us. We discover one who is so committed to his people that he became a man like us. That He might take away that which is forsaken from us. To take away that sin that is in us. To remove it that we would be renewed always. And so this day, this second Sunday in Advent, prepare your hearts to meet the Lord by going into them, by going to that wilderness place of your heart and confessing your sins and repentance and receiving the forgiveness of sins. That you might then see other prophecies fulfilled that the desert would bloom. The wilderness would have new life. And God will bring that new life into your heart. He will renew you through and through. And direct your paths on forward toward that final coming of Jesus. And so may we prepare our hearts to receive this Lord Jesus. Who brings us new life out of death. Who brings us himself when we think we are forsaken that we can know him even when no one else knows who we are for he will always know us for he has united himself to us he has come to be our savior and our redeemer and so let us prepare the path for him to come to us that we might receive him anew this season
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.